You're listening to Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church of Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net. And thanks for joining us. Hey, good morning, Grace Community Church family. So glad that you are here with us. And for all of you who are watching online or seeing this or listening to it later as a recording, we're so glad that you are joining us as well. So glad you're all here this morning. We have a tremendous morning ahead of us, and we've tried to cram as much in to our time as we can because we have a lot to celebrate and remember this morning. This last Easter, for those of you who may not be aware, was our 40th birthday. And that's what we're celebrating today is 40 years of grace together in this community. Yeah, it's just, it's going to be a fantastic time. So glad you get to be here to enjoy it and be a part of it. I want to lead us in prayer and then we're going to be off to the races here. So let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for each person who is here, for those who are watching and listening online. Lord, we celebrate that you are a faithful God. You are the God who loves us who seeks us in your grace, who pulls us out of our brokenness and gives us joy and hope and purpose. And Lord, we celebrate the reality that this church community has been impacting lives, advancing your kingdom, proclaiming the name of Jesus for over 40 years now. And we are so grateful that we get to be a part of that. Lord, we ask this morning that you would speak into our hearts, that you would help us to remember, as you constantly tell your people to do so, to remember your faithfulness, to remember your promises, to remember your acts, so that we can worship you and live for you. And so, Lord, we commit this time to you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 40 is actually a very significant number in God's Word. It's a symbolic number, and of course, it's a representative number, and you see it all through the Old Testament and the New Testament. In the Old Testament in particular, it makes us think of Moses, 40 days and 40 nights on Mount Sinai when the Ten Commandments were given to him. If we jump to the New Testament, it makes us think of or causes us to think of things like Jesus fasting for 40 days, and if we jump back to the Old Testament, it was 40 days that the spies who had been sent out from the people were were kind of reconnoitering the land and checking things out, the promised land that was to be theirs. And then, of course, 40 years of wandering when God's people chose to disobey him and not enter the land. And this is really now where we enter this story in the Old Testament. In the book of Joshua, it tells us what happened at the end of that 40 years. So Joshua was spoken to by God, and God told him, to have the priests and the Ark of the Covenant, which represented the presence and the power and the promises of God, to actually walk into the Jordan River. Now, I just couldn't pass up on the opportunity to show you a slide from when we were in Israel in 2016. This is a picture of the Jordan River taken from my phone some years ago. And you look at it, and it's not really that imposing or intimidating. I mean, it's, it's a river, and yeah, it looks deep in places, but not really that wide. But this isn't what confronted God's people when he told them to go into the promised land. The Jordan River was at flood stage. And it was, by some estimations, a mile to a mile and a half wide at that point. Now, for a frame of reference, I did some Google searching, because, you know, that's the authority we go to when we want to find something out. And Google says that that is wider than most parts of the Columbia River. So if you think about our Columbia, and not the, not the volume of water, but the width of water, 
And the Jordan River was at least that size at this point or larger. The bottom line is there was no way that on their own, God's people could cross into the promised land the way he had asked them to. And that was by design. He tells Joshua to have the priests and the Ark of the Covenant literally walk into the river. And as it happens, the river stops flowing. It says the water's kind of piled up in a heap, way, way upriver. And then it became dry ground. And some two million people walked across the Jordan River into the promised land, the land that had been promised to them for hundreds of years on dry ground. And so, and this is where we're going here this morning, so God tells them that he wants each of the representatives of the tribe, so 12 people, to take a rock out of the middle of that river bed, and they are to build a memorial right there so that for future generations, when someone would ask, hey, what's that pile of rocks about? This is how they were to answer them out of Joshua 4. What do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. And when it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel forever. And what we see is God constantly telling his people to remember what he's done, remember the fulfillment of his promises, remember his power, remember his presence. And so they built a memorial next to that river for exactly that purpose. So this morning, as we reflect together, as we remember together 40 years of God's faithfulness, we are privileged to have all of our previous lead pastors with us in person here this morning. And they will represent each season that we have bought, gone through together as a church family these last 40 years. And as they do so, they'll come up here, they'll share a portion of their story and our story in that season, and they're going to place a rock with an attribute of God up here on this pedestal. And we are going this morning to build our own memorial, just like the people did in Joshua, to remember the faithfulness of God and to celebrate the faithfulness of God. So as we do so, and as we invite our worship team now to come up and we prepare to, to worship the Lord through music, this is, this is our focal point this morning. With all this history and all that we have to celebrate as a church, it reminds us in the New Testament, in the book of Ephesians, Consequently, for those of us who know and love Jesus, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. And here it comes with Christ himself as the cornerstone. So everything we do this morning, everything we collectively remember here this morning and celebrate together is built on the reality that we could have accomplished none of this without dependence on the Lord without the Lord's presence, without the Lord's power, without these attributes of God that we're going to celebrate here in just a little while as our, as our pastors take us through each season of our history together. So because Jesus is our cornerstone, let's worship him together as our cornerstone, as our foundation. Well, my name is Jerry Smith. I'm one of the pastors here at Grace, and what a thrill to be celebrating 40 years of God's faithfulness in this place to this community. I'd like to draw your attention to a number of resources that you will find on the back table. Uh, the first is a program for this morning's service. Make sure you pick that up. We will be following along in the timeline that's in the um, program as well. If you want to get up and get that right now, feel free. No harm done. We won't check with you later. The second is a prayer card, and the prayer card is in both English and Spanish, um, indicating uh, the unique diversity of our congregation. 
This will be referenced a little later on in the service. And the third is a 40-day prayer guide. Um, Today we are celebrating 40 years of God's direction, his provision, his presence, his shepherding, his faithfulness to us as a congregation. But what about the next 40 years? With our culture and world changing at such a rapid pace, how is God going to use grace to continue to impact not only this community, this state, this nation, and the world? We believe that just as he has for 40 years, he will again lead, but not without us, humbling ourselves and asking for his direction. This is where you come in. We are inviting you. We are challenging you. We are encouraging you to join us for the next 40 days, praying each day for this church and this congregation. It's leadership its global allies, that God would continue to give wisdom as he leads in the next 40 years. There is no man or woman smart enough or creative enough to figure out what this vibrant worshiping community needs to do in the near future, but God knows, and he has appointed us to be his hands and his feet to push back the kingdom of darkness and bring about the kingdom of God in this area. I believe he speaks when we collectively call out to him, please consider joining us. Those of us who are joining online, we want these to be in your hands as well. Let us know on YouTube where you are as well, or or let us know on the prayer app, on our prayer um, application, or go to our website. Down at the bottom of the home screen is a word that says prayer. Click on that and let us know you want that 40 days of prayer guide. Well, there's a story that comes out of church history about James, the half-brother of Jesus and the author of the epistle. The early leader of the church garnered a nickname for himself, Old Camel Knees, because of the calluses he developed on his knees kneeling in prayer on behalf of the church. In a sense, this next segment of the service we have a rare opportunity to look back and to hear from six of the leaders who rightly could be called old camel knees (laughs) because of their fervent prayers on behalf of this congregation. These are the leaders God appointed to answer for the spiritual health of this congregation, not only on Sunday mornings, but at weddings and funerals, baby dedications in hospital rooms, baptismal tanks, Graduation ceremonies, coffee appointments, potlucks and convivios, all of you here and countless others have been prayed for by these leaders we are about to introduce you to. Each of them will be sharing their sense of what God was doing at Grace during their leadership and the character of God that most impacted them at the time. If you are following along with the timeline, we are at the beginning 1981, God uniquely calls two leaders to start a worshiping community in East County. Larry and Dennis, would you come up? My name is Dennis Friesen, and the mics work better now than they used to when we started. I joined, I didn't need one then, that's probably true. We were a small group. 
but we met at Hollydale Grade School for our first Sunday in the auditorium. And then from that, on, that point on, we went into the music room to uh, continue our, our core group of worship and uh, just kind of changed from then. And of course, Larry and I go back uh, to when Grace actually changed his name. It became Grace. And uh, pastors back in those days actually uh, dressed up uh, more than they do now. So you may remember, you may remember that this is the kind of thing I wore for 15 plus years. Oh, Jay, good, thank you very much. Um, and uh, it kind of went slowly downhill uh, from that point on. But I'm glad that God is the looker at, looks at the heart, not at the, not at the externals, right? We're so glad, I'm so glad to be here to be a part of this. Um, you know, just the fact that I'm alive, I could kind of relate to Moses and, and feel like I, I wandered in the wilderness with some of you folks. There's about a 10 or 12 of you who are still left somewhere with God and glory now. Others uh, have moved all over the, the city and, and the, the county, the states, and even overseas. But you're here, and we're here, and we're here to praise God. The quality of God that I thought perhaps most reflected the time that I have been here at Grace, both from the beginning, but just throughout the years I've been blessed to stay with the church and be a part of this worshiping family, was the providence of God. And uh, that's represented in so many things that you'll see in our videos. I haven't seen the video myself of myself yet, so I don't know what I'll be saying. But, um, you know, Larry uh, and I just our buds from, from way back when we just were trying to follow Jesus and trying to figure out where to go and how to go and how to lead. And, and, uh, and you know, he was with us for so many years here pastoring and then off to uh, First Image. And uh, I know he just retired about a month ago from First Image. And I'm just so grateful for the, the legacy that you've left, not only here, but also there. It's a real tribute. And then for Bill Russell, who left here, went back to Union Gospel Ministries, continued his executive director there uh, right up until the present time, and is also fading out, fading out, fading away from, from that. He's not passing away, Lord willing. Um, but uh, anyway, it's my pleasure to be able to just uh, reflect now on the, uh, the providence of God. Do that with me, please. Thanks, Dennis. Yeah, uh, my name's Larry Gedd. Oh, we're going to watch a video now. The reason I really am impressed with the providence of God as an attribute is because uh, that really was demonstrated in so many different of his attributes. Uh, in one of the big ones was that within the first 12 years of being a church, we had both the birth of the church of our part of the church. Secondly, a consolidation with another church and a merger with another church. So there were three churches that came together in a period of 12 years and steering through that and with that, trusting God in the midst of a lot of uh, upheaval. We had to move eight to eight different facilities, interim facilities in 16 years. And that along with blending blending churches, 
Blending Ministries moving on an average of every two years uh, was just big. So the providence of God and the fact that we survived because the percentages of churches that actually get through even one merger or consolidation is unfortunately uh, very, very low. What got my attention really was that God at some point, maybe 15 years in or so, I, uh, allowed me to kind of hit a wall emotionally and physically with some physical issues and, you know, spiritually do kind of a burnout. So I had to face that. So part of my leadership is I couldn't please everybody all the time. Never will be able to do that. As much as I love people and I want to try to keep, I've, I'd like to avoid conflict. That was my challenge uh, in terms of leadership um, throughout my life, but particularly through a real intense season there of, of about a decade or 15 years. Well, number one, I'd have to say the whole 40 years, the, the wise and faithful elders that have you know stood with me, whether there was only two or three of us at the beginning and all the way through, pastoral leadership gifts that God brought together at the right time to do the right kind of uh, leading uh, for the season that they were a part of the body, um, for our global partners that just continued to be faithful and uh, we were able to raise some up within the body, we inherited some, and the others were like a Tom Barberg who was in the sound booth for about 35 years and just continued to faithfully serve behind the scenes. There's Ty Traxel, who's up on the worship team. He and his wife were our first guests in the school when we started. And they've been on the, he's been on the worship team, I think, just about ever since for 40 years. It's not always the upfront people, it's the body, it's, it's the body working together and we're doing the hard work of unity in spite of the diversity. My turn now? Yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, I'm Larry Gadbaugh, and uh, I started at uh, Gresham Community Baptist Church in, I think it was 1975, and became one of the elders and one of the pastors there. And then when the other elders went to other ministries, I was the only pastor left on a multi-staff team. So uh, chased them all away. And, uh, <clears throat> and so we asked the question, why does our small congregation that used to meet on Cleveland, um, why do we need to exist here? What is God, what, this belongs to Jesus. And so, Lord, what do you want here? And someone suggested, well, you ought to talk to Dennis. And we had been acquainted, and uh, Gresham Hills had been planted. And so we started talking and, um, and getting together for a number of months, and we started praying. You know, what would, what would God do if he brought these two churches together? And so I guess we've seen what God has done. And, uh, and so throughout all of that, uh, I mean, Dennis and I, could we be any more different? <laughs> yeah, yeah, my ties are all dusty. And so um, it's, it's, 
but God bonded us together. Then he started bonding our leadership teams together. And then he bonded our congregations together to form Grace Community Church. And so the, um, as we sang already, the, um, the attribute of God, the character of God that, that came to my mind, and I've been singing those three songs in my private time now for a long time, is, is God's faithfulness. And today, it's a testimony to the greatness of God, the goodness of God, that he who began a good work in us shall bring it to completion in the day of Christ Jesus. And to be a part of that, and just to keep following Jesus, is what he calls us to do. An attribute of God that stood out to me, that comes to mind now, is faithfulness, the faithfulness of God. That God is always faithful to who he is. Everything he does is consistent with who he is and everything that he says. And he's faithful to his word and he knows how to speak for himself. So his word is to be trusted. And, and, uh, and his word always points to the Lord Jesus. And so his faithfulness, to do everything that he said he would do uh, was fulfilled and is being fulfilled in the Lord Jesus Christ so that we can trust him. So we found that to be true. And so um, there's no way that I could shepherd others, let alone walk with the Lord myself without uh, believing that God means what he says and, and does what he says. Also, I saw his faithfulness in giving us unity and integrity as a leadership team. I've been in ministry long enough, both in church and now in First Image, to see that you can't take integrity and unity uh, among leadership for granted. It is constant vigilance. What I learned about myself is found in John 15, that uh, the most important thing for me in, as an individual, as, uh, as a husband and father, and as uh, one who serves the flock by, by shepherding, is to abide in Jesus Christ, to abide in his love, to have his word abide in me. Because apart from that, I can do nothing. And, uh, but by abiding in him, I can bear fruit that lasts. I can lead others to bear fruit that lasts, that my joy would be full. And so, the most crucial thing I learned in uh, pastoring is just the reinforcement of that truth and that conviction. Well, I had the privilege of leading worship for about 30 years uh, among my pastoral calling. And so the worship team was, uh, was a wonderful uh, community and fellowship. And, and of course, the preaching team that we had, we always had a preaching team uh, to learn from each other, to encourage each other, hold each other accountable. And of course, serving with Dennis, serving with Dennis uh, and as different as we were, his patience with me and his, uh, his care for the, the outsider, his care for the people who, who might not otherwise uh, connect with the people of God. Uh, was a constant uh, stretching uh, of our mission and our vision for that. So all of those things were very significant in, uh, in impacting me as well.
Will, if you're following the timeline, we are around 1996. The church has a new building and growing numbers. Uh, new leadership is needed to minister to a growing congregation and to maintain this new facility. God brings just the right leaders to play. So Bill and Jim, you guys want to come up? I don't know about that. I know God is sovereign, and that's my word. And it's a real close cousin to what Dennis is talking about. Providence and sovereignty work so close together. But God's absolute right and power to do whatever he desires to do. And he did it. And we didn't really go through kicking and screaming, but we went along trying to always catch up with him. And uh, I, I don't know what I said in the video. It always scares me when you tape something. And you're just flying off the handle. But I learned so much. What, what Larry talked about, Dennis, your care has helped shape my life. And Larry, your, your upper room discourse, the whole passage, I mean, you referring to John 15, but servant leadership and abiding in Christ, I can't imagine living life without having co-pastored with you two guys. That being said, I was extremely disruptive. I was probably part of the reason Dennis burned out. Um, I was a conflict generator, unintentionally, but it happened, and it was great. And um, For you. <laughs> well, it was great because God's sovereign, and he worked through all of it. So he even covers our, our awfulness, and we can be awful at times. But um, I think back, and one thing I wanted to say is I think back to a time we were in Rick Tischler's office with the elders. Spencer Durr was there. And we made decisions that were absolutely in line with the sovereignty of God. Those things came about, and we were winging it, if you remember. I mean, we were flying by the seat of our pants. So, um, but God was in us, and God works in us. It's Christ in you, working in you, both to will and to do according to his good pleasure. And so it is a mind blower all the time that sovereign God funnels down and chooses to work in me and through me, drawing me into himself. As we receive Christ, he receives us, and the work is splendid because of him. Yeah, I think the attribute of God I most think of for that time period was God's sovereign will uh, and us catching up with it. It's, it's really hard to change uh, things in a church, um, and yet we were, we were posed to change location, and it kind of changed the size of the church and to grow. And growth can be scary to a lot of people, but God's sovereign will kept catching us and picking us and moving us along together. And I, th I think you know uh, it's God's will when people move along with the Spirit of God. And, and there were a lot of bumps and twists and turns in the road in getting moved from Rockwood out here and getting the facility funded and built. But God, it was God's will. And we caught it and we went with it and it, it really brought glory to God. Well, what I learned about myself in, in my tenure at Grace was how hard pastoring is. And I thought just the scope of, of pastoring 
a, a relatively small church at the time, two to 300 people and growing it, would be pretty um, doable. And I realized just how difficult it is and deal with the pressures and stresses that pastors have. I think I learned that I was more frail than I thought I was. That that kind of pressure, that kind of spiritual pressure is more intense than I'd ever imagined it. I thought if I'd been a trial lawyer and dealt with that pressure, that I could deal with this pressure. But there's something different about it. Uh, and I, it was very humbling. I think at the end of the day, I was humbled and, and really grateful to God for the people that supported me and buoyed me up when I, when I wasn't really doing well. I wasn't handling the pressure well. Yeah, when I look back at, at my time at Grace, I am, I, I find so valuable the various people, the gifting and the love and the goodness God put together in the various people and the various giftings he brought together in this place. In the course of building this building, we had a time where there was a huge accident in the construction and the wind blew and the wood framing collapsed. And yet, the people of this church didn't panic. They didn't turn on each other. They turned to each other and to God. And I think it was that, uh, that core faith and just this solid base of people who trusted and believed in the promises of God and the goodness of God that was just so valuable. Generous people. Hi, my name is Jim Hislop, and uh, my wife and I, my wife Bev and I, started coming to Grace in the fall of 1996. Uh, they were still in the Eastmont building at that point and moved four other times, I think, that same year before we got into this building. I came to this Church of Broken Man. I had been in pastoral ministry for 30 years at that point, 20 years, excuse me and um, ran into burnout. Came back to Portland area and uh, secured a role out at Eagle Fern Camp. Uh, working out there, I could drive the tractor and go out and knock down as many trees as I wanted, get the frustration, and they didn't talk back to me. And we started coming to Grace. We found Grace, and we really found Grace. That's the word I chose, Grace. When I heard this story of how Three churches had come together and was now one. I thought I'd died and gone to heaven. I can take you to lots of cities where I can show you three churches that used to be one. And it wasn't church plants. It was trouble, but not here. We found the grace of God. And when I saw Larry and Dennis work together side by side, and the, the work of God in the team that God had brought together here, uh, and then watched Bill come at just the right time to get this building up, and then knew he had to step down. It was a marvelous thing to watch God work in all of the details through that time together. We learned to encourage each other's strengths and protect each other's weaknesses. And that was only the grace of God that allowed us to be able to do that. And so God 
continues his good work during that time. God's grace, and I know it's part of the name of our church, but it's more than just part of our name. It is part of our DNA. The issue that that we were facing at the time, we had just moved into this new building, and it was wonderful to have the new building and the new facility, but it also meant we had uh, an increased amount of debt. And so things were really, really snug there for a while. And I remember holding up paying bills sometimes till the Sunday's deposit had been made so that so the checks would be covered. There were times like that and, and we, we had growing pains as we moved into a new building. How do we utilize this that's now ours? I think if there was anything that we needed to learn more than anything else was to trust one another and to rely on each other's strengths. And it was it was learning about how the grace of God works in a community, not just in an individual, I think that was so vital for me. I think the thing that I learned um, mostly about myself was that I tend to get ahead of myself um, at times. I think some of the things that make me cringe were not decisions that were made, but how I went about implementing them. A few years before I came Portland in a ministry burnout, after a ministry burnout situation in Florida before. A couple of years before that, I had a lady tell me one time, Jim, there's a couple of things you need to remember. Number one, there is a God and you're not him. So take off your junior God badge. And every now and then I find myself, I would find myself putting it back on and thinking I knew how to handle this. I didn't really need God here. But of course, that, that was the beginning of the end. Again, we go back to the grace of God who cannot love me more and will not love me less. And to remind myself of that all the time and to realize that uh, he too was sufficient for those, even those situations where I didn't handle things quite as, as well as I should have. When I learned that Grace Community Church was a church that had formed out of two different churches and the leadership from both of those churches were now working together as, as a leadership team at Grace, I was blown away. I have been in a lot of places where there are two churches where there used to be one and that wasn't because they did a church plant, that's because they had a split. And as I watched Dennis and Larry work together, uh, I was so impressed by the, the grace of God in their life and the humility in their lives. And then of course, other people that come to mind during those years, those were the years where we, where we hired Jerry Smith on staff and, and Matt Patrick on staff, and they're still here today. And, and I just see the hand of God in, in that and bringing a, a group of people together in such a way that he has built this ministry uh, to what it is today. Well, again, following your timeline, we've moved up to 2005, roughly, and the church is busting at the seams. Uh, the existing facility doesn't fit anymore, and they're growing in diversity. And again, God calls two unique leaders to take his uh, church into the next season. So Gabe and Jay. 
So uh, I'm Gabe Myers, and uh, my story here happened in 2008, November of 2008. Um, we had left the field. We were missionaries in Bolivia for uh, four years, and I just I not, didn't know that about Jim, but I was kind of in the same shoes, where I had felt burnout, um, and I'd really hurt my family just because I was so invested in work and ministry. And uh, we came, the month we arrived here, the church had, was also in a very hurting place. Their pastor had died. And I didn't want to be involved in ministry. <laughs> um, I, I, I wanted to be involved, but not a pastor. Uh, that wasn't, I didn't want to be a shepherd. <laughs> um, and he is the good shepherd. Um, but what happened was, um, as we started to get invested um, God, kept, God just asked me some questions that I think I, I was wrestling through, and one of them was, well, who do you want to identify with? Here's this Hispanic group, and then there's other places you could be. Um, and I'm like, well, I, I'm both. I'm Hispanic. I'm Anglo. I'm weird. <laughs> but um, God just called us over a course of time to just be invested in comunidad. And we were meeting in this little room called the Great Room down here. And in uh, 2015, after some great conversations with Jay and, and Jerry and uh, other guys, Joby Busher, um, and that conversation had already happened with Jim Hislop between him and Jorge Osorio, who was a previous pastor. But one of the things that just really stands out is how good God was to me, at my, per, me personally, and just how he was being so good to comunidad and the things he was teaching us. And the big thing is... is Gabe, just spend time loving me. Just love me. Just spend time in my presence. And let's talk. Listen to me. And let that flow into your family. Let it flow into uh, your ministry. And then we started asking that question for comunidad and said, what would it look like if we just loved God, be, were real, authentic? And uh, things, amazing things happened. So that's part of that story. Here we go. The attribute that stands out just really boldly for me uh, about who God is, is that He is a good shepherd. Uh, the phrases in Psalm 23 that stand out are, uh, He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters and He restores my soul. The year that I came and met Comunidad again uh, was November 2008 and that month, I was still in Bolivia when I heard that Jorge Osorio had passed away. So that meant that uh, this group called Comunidad was shepherdless. There was definitely a lot of grief, a lot of sadness. Uh, people were hurting and wondering what's, what's next. But um, the way God provided for a group that was hurting, financially they were hurting, uh, just a number of things and God just provided over and over again by the place that we were meeting, by people giving. Um, he was so good and people were able to process and work through the grief. Perhaps the most important thing that I've learned about me is that I have to be really careful about 
loving things out of order and that it's really, really important to love God first and let the rest of what I do flow out of that. Uh, so flowing into my life, into my, into my home with my wife, uh, just what it means to love her, uh, but mirroring what it means to love God in that relationship and then doing that with my kids and then uh, church and work and wherever else God will allow me to do it. Um, man, there's so many people I'm grateful for. Um, there were people who supported us even after we were off the field in the Gresham community in Portland um, that continued to support us for a couple years at least after that. But then grateful for uh, the Comunidad leadership, even though they were without a pastor, they were definitely not without shepherds. And it was just a matter of recognizing those guys who were doing the work of taking care of people. There were three of the leaders of Comunidad were named Tom, <laughs> Tom Skipper, Tom Dunn, and Tom Nunciato. Um, out of those three, Tom Dunn and Tom Nunciato are still around. And then there was Tim Osorio, who was Jorge's son, uh, he's still around, and he's uh, one of the Comunidad elders, basically. I am super grateful for specifically these guys and the guys who just run the ministry. And you're stuck with me, or at least you have been a while. Most of you know me. I'm Jay, and I'm the current lead pastor and my wife Jamie and our family joined the Grace Story here in 2005. And one of the many things that drew us to want to be part of this community is the consistent story that you've heard through the seasons of this church, of the health and the unity. Um, remembering back to 2005, it was a very extensive interview process that Jamie and our, my family and I went through, especially me, I guess. But we really got to know one another well. And Honestly, what drew me to want to be a part of this church family was you, was, was this church, was this community. And one of the many dynamics that were reflective of that health and unity, unity that's been referred to is that of the lead pastors you've all heard from, when I came to this church in 2005, they were all still here. And they like each other. And they love each other. And they support one another. And Dennis and Jim, of course, have settled and stayed here, and we've loaned Bill and Larry out to other ministries, but there still are Bill and Larry. But to have a leadership team that wasn't threatened by one another, but that supported one another, loved one another, cheered one another on, that was very, very rich to me, and I'm just very, very grateful for these men and, and their, their ministry to me. And now I'm gonna cheat a little bit. There was a lot, necessarily, that had to be left out of these videos, but. I'm so profoundly thankful for um, Gary Walden, Joby Busher, Daryl Broadsword, our elder chairman, who in the tenure that I've been able to be here have been such a support and an encouragement and a mentorship to me, as well as our wonderful church staff. They are, they are family to me, and I'm grateful for each and every one of them. And as I think through these last 16 years of life together with you, what most speaks to me about um, the many attributes of God is his presence. You know, there are so many attributes that I could list of God that have become so real to me in my tenure here at Grace as 
your current lead pastor. But the one that stands out to me the most, that is the most prevalent, I think, is the presence of God. You know, from the moment I chose to apply to be the lead pastor here so many years ago, I remember this one night when I woke up in the middle of the night and I had this surge of fear go through me. What was I doing? I was taking my wife and our three little kids and removing them from a community that we had been in over 20 years to move across to the other side of town to do a role I'd never done before and to hopefully find a place in the church family there, in the community. And there have been several defining moments in the last 16 years that quite frankly have been difficult, at times felt lonely, at times felt overwhelming, and the presence of God has been such a reassurance and such a reality for me. One of the first things I had to learn prior to coming to Grace was not only how to um, lead myself, but to lead my family, to lead Jamie, to lead our, our children. And it was really the reality of understanding what that meant that really helped prepare me to come and help lead a church family. I had to lead my own family before I could lead God's family. I had the blessing of being a part of this church family for so many years now. We've walked through a lot of life together, seen a lot of life together, done a lot of life together. And we've gone through some incredibly blessed seasons. This is one of them, but we've also gone through a number of seasons that have been very difficult, very challenging, very trying. And again, this is also one of those. And the continuity, the consistency through all those has been the presence of God. We've never been alone. We've never been on our own. We've always had his presence and his empowerment to do what he's called us to do, even when it's been difficult, even when it's been hard, even when there's been so much uncertainty and challenge. There's so many people who have blessed me and who I could thank. I mean, first off, I want to start with the Grace Church family. You are such a blessing to me and to my family, and I truly am proud and blessed and spoiled to get to be your lead pastor and to be able to do life with you. But these men up on the stage here with me this morning, this afternoon, I owe them a debt of gratitude in each of the seasons of their leadership they have led the church into a season of health and vitality and consistency. Their leadership, their friendship, sometimes their mentorship has just meant so much to me. And then the elder team that I get to serve with. Our, our church health, our church vitality in no small part comes from this group of men who faithfully, consistently, consistently love Jesus and love one another and in unity and wisdom lead our church. I'm profoundly thankful for the men of our elder team. So I think one of the unique challenges that we faced, especially in the early years that I got to be a part of Grace, was the completion of our second floor. At the time, we had been told that because of changes in building codes through the prior years, the second floor would never be completed. And then the codes changed for just a year, and in a couple months time, we had to figure out, are we gonna be able to do this? And so we needed to raise $30,000. And remember, the church was a third of the size of it has been in at least these last couple years prior to COVID. So the church was much smaller than it is now. And we had one month to raise $30,000, which was this huge obstacle. 
and yet our our body, our family responded. We raised $50,000. We were able to complete the due diligence, apply for the permits. We literally got the permit the week before the deadline expired at the end of the calendar year. So everything was nip and tuck the whole way. But there was this energy, there was this momentum, this unification around our mission that we really felt like God was calling us to in this community. And I feel like it's time for us to recapture that urgency, to recapture that unity, to recapture that drive to be the church that God has called us to be. And so one of the many blessings that we get to celebrate here this morning and this afternoon is that God has gifted us with this building. And now we're literally paying it forward and gifting this building to the future generations. So what is this next season for us as a church? How do we urgently reach into the lives of those in our community who don't know the Lord? How do we mobilize so that we're all serving in some way, shape, or form actively in the life of our church here and in the mission that's before us? Well, those are the unique opportunities that are before us. And so when we burn this mortgage here in just a few moments, it represents not only our history, but our present and especially our future. How will we use this resource to further advance the gospel and change lives in the name of Jesus Christ in the years to come? And all that we've talked about so far and enjoyed together isn't just the story of the leaders that you've heard from. It's really our story. This is our story, our story of grace, our story of what God has done. And you're going to see our, our kiddos begin to come in because we very much wanted them to be a part of this section of our time this morning, especially. But we thought it would be fun and rich to see when you entered the story. You've heard from us as your lead pastors when we've entered the story, when did you enter the story of grace? Because for some of you, it was 40 years ago and you're still here. And others of you, it was maybe just last weekend. Regardless of when you've become a part of this story, this is your story and we celebrate this together. So let's have a little fun with this, okay? So if you were part 40 years ago of the original group that left and became Gresham Hills in our community, would you please stand here this morning? And I know there are some of you here, I talked with you. These folks have been with us for 40 years. Isn't that exciting? Okay, now remain standing, okay? We're gonna do this in sections. So, those of you who came and became part of Grace when Gresham and GCBC became Grace Community Church, would you please stand now? Those of you from Gresham Community Bible Church. Fantastic, love it. Now, are there any of you here in this service who came during the Eastmont merger with Grace? Would you please stand? Fantastic. Okay, now we're gonna pick up a little speed here, okay? So if you came to this church family from 2000 to 2010, and this is where I would get to stand up, would you now stand up? If you joined the Grace family between 2000 and 2010, okay? 
And we hope that those of you who are participating online that you're standing too. Wait your turn, but we want you to stand with us. And now those of you from 2010 to 2020 who have joined our Grace family in that season, would you please stand? Outstanding. And then finally, if you've joined Grace from 2020 to today, would you please stand? And that should be all of us, right? Okay, fantastic. Now you have to know, while you're still standing here, we and our planning team, and by the way, many thanks to the planning team who worked on this and invested into this morning for several months now. We tried to figure out how do we burn the mortgage? If we had our way, you'd each have a lighter. Yeah, right. And you'd each have a piece of paper and we would collectively burn the mortgage. So we're gonna have to do this representatively, okay? So I'm gonna ask um, Pastor Dennis, as our, as our founding pastor, would you come forward and would you light this thing on fire for us? I've always wanted to burn something up in church. I'm not sure why, but this is like a dream fulfilled for me. And I'm going to hold this so that our online community can see this. So give or take, this represents somewhere between two and a half and three million dollars that we have invested into this building so that it can be debt free. And just this last year, together through our giving, our savings, a number of means and a miraculous provision by God, we were able to give $485,000 this last year in order to get this across the finish line. So Dennis, I can't wait for you to light this on fire. Would you light this for us? Oh gosh, is right. How many times do you get to burn something up? Oh, do it again. This is the gift that keeps on giving. This is so much fun. Are you a little nervous? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm getting there. But it's, we got to do this right. It's got to burn. I mean, the whole thing has got to burn up. Dennis, give it one more shot here. You wouldn't believe me if I said it didn't do this in all the testing we did. It just went poof. All right, good enough. There it is, my friends. A debt-free building. Isn't that wonderful? So let's sing, let's sing and celebrate together. I'm gonna invite Daryl as our elder chairman and our current elder team to come forward and join me up here. When we built this building and what we celebrate in having this resource now debt-free today, it was never intended to be just for us, but for our future and for our future generations. And so we've asked the kiddos who are here at this service to come on in because we would like to pray as a church family over them because they are not only our present, they are our future. And just like so many of you over the last 40 years were thinking in the future, thinking of those of us who would come after you, we wanna remember that these kids are our future and we want to be able to celebrate the reality that we are now giving them a gift and paying it forward and giving them a debt-free facility so that the mission of God can continue forward in this community. So I'm gonna ask Daryl to lead us in prayer in just a minute. And for those of you who are online with us this morning as well as those of you who are present, in the back there's a prayer card here. We're gonna ask that you take this home with you and you would write out a prayer for the future generations who are gonna follow us, these kids, those who will come after them, and to bring this back and we have a prayer board out in the lobby and we're gonna calligraphy those prayers until we fill that board 
with prayers for the future generations who will come after us. And so we hope that you'll take this card home, think about it, write something out, bring it back next week. Those of you online can get to this through the footer on our website where it says prayer. Daryl, would you lead us in prayer over our kids? Let's pray. Father, we're grateful for all the things that you've done in this past 40 years for grace. The reminder of your faithfulness, your sovereignty, your grace that you extended toward us and that you were the good shepherd. Father, we pray for this next generation, these children, that they would be faithful to you, that they would seek you, and that they would reach out into this community in a way that would make your name known and your presence felt. That they would be graceful people, that they would be people of purpose, and that they would be able to lead many, many more people to become followers of Christ. That they would faithfully do what you would choose for them to do. Bless them, encourage them, and give them the courage to still follow you daily. For we ask these things in your son's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Daryl and team. So, kiddos, you may go back upstairs. We love you. We're glad you're here, but your parents need to know where to find you. So we're going to take you back up there. And as we prepare to go from here, I'd like us to leave once again not only in a posture of celebration and remembering, but also with a heart for prayer. Many of you know this story, some of you don't, but when we built the second floor, in that season we asked those of you who were here, a part of our church family, to go upstairs, to take a Sharpie, and to write on those studs names of people who don't yet know the Lord. And when we did this years ago, and literally there are thousands of names written on the upstairs above us here, I wrote down the names of my immediate family. And my dad at the time didn't know the Lord. He passed away two years ago. In the last week of his life, he came to know the Lord. And he's with the Lord now. I have a mom who's in the last months of her life and she doesn't yet know the Lord. But her name is written on one of those studs. And I tell you that because this is personal to me. I am grateful for this church community because in no small part, my dad knows the Lord and is with the Lord because of you. And so as we prepare to go from here and as we join together in 40 days of prayer now for the next 40 days as Pastor Jerry coached us to and told us about earlier, we ask that you would take that prayer guide on the table and that you would join us the next 40 days praying for the next 40 years. Where is it that God would want us to go? Because this has never been the lead pastor's vision or just the elder's vision or even just the vision of us as a congregation. Hopefully we've been in step with the Holy Spirit as God himself has led us. And once again, we want to put ourselves in a posture of listening to him, following him, asking him to move so that in 40 years, there can be another celebration here of thousands of lives that have been changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ through the faithfulness of this people. So let me pray his blessing over us as we prepare to go from here. Lord, I thank you again for all those in the room here, all those in our online community. Lord, we thank you that we are your church. We once again confess our dependence upon you. Just like when your people crossed over the Jordan into the promised land, we want to not forget what you have done for us. Lord, would you help us now to not just think about the here and now, but to think about the future, to be guided collectively by your Holy Spirit as we pray for those who are here, but those who are yet to come. 
to step into your kingdom, to have the joy and the hope that we have because we know and love you. Thank you for this faithful church family. Thank you for these faithful leaders. Thank you for such a rich time to seek you together. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. So go and live for him. Thank you for joining us for Sermon Audio from Grace Community Church here in Gresham, Oregon. For more information about service times and ways to follow us online, please go to gracecc.net. That's gracecc.net.